Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. Good morning. How is everybody? Good. How are you? I am okay. That's what I'm going to go with. (laughs) I was just saying to Amanda, I moved my desk and Max is like hopping all over the place. He's nibbling on my feet. He's very intrigued. So if you hear yelping, it's just Max settling into our new arrangement here. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Oh, goodness. God. So are are you in a lot of pain today? How is it? Um, I'm mostly just in the discomfort phase now because I just can't get, you know, any way I sit, it's not comfortable. So it's it's not high pain at this point. It's just... You know, it's, it's awkward. The cast is really awkward. So it's just, it's hard to sit anywhere without it being just a level of discomfort. So I'm trying to just learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable for now. Because that's, that's the game. That's the game in town. So. Super. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling my daughter, I'm trying to get in the space of acceptance and, you know. And I can have acceptance about a lot of things, but when I have to accept that I can't do the stuff I want to do, you know, mm-hmm. like physically when I can't when I can't do stuff and get stuff done and all that, it just it's it's like I feel like I'm it's, it's a maniacal feeling. I can't stand it. So I'm I'm having to learn some. Uh, skills around this and I am really like committed to doing it differently than I've done these kinds of things in the past. So I'm really focused on the long game and doing it right so that I can have as much mobility as possible. So it's awkward right now. Everything's just awkward. So, but I just received a call from the surgeon's office and I guess the main dude is the guy that wants to see me. So they told me it was going to be a different doctor, but when I talked to the office, they said no. Doctor, what's his name? Jenkins wants to see you himself. He is he is determined he wants to take on your case himself. So good, but I I did tell the orthopedic guy at the hospital that set my arm and got me going that you know the mobility was like uber uber important to me and I would do whatever they wanted me to do if we could get back. As close to 100% utilization as possible, and you know that it was really important to me because it's you know the way of life that I have really requires that I can use this risk properly. So, um, so I'm glad they heard me and got me referred, and we'll see how it goes. I go Friday morning to see the surgeon, so we'll see what he says. 
I'm going to have a lot of time to contemplate life. And my, what's that, what's that old expression? I'm going to sit around and contemplate my navel. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in the greater scheme of things, I'm actually super grateful. It could have been so much worse. The reason I broke my wrist is because I was trying not to go down on my back and my neck. So. Jesus. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a neck or back issue would have been way worse. So, so many things to be grateful for. And how are you guys? Blah, blah, blah. Enough about me. I'm good. I'm good. You know, one thing I really appreciate about these calls is that I never really was much of an early riser on my own, but it really, it helps me get up and get going. Um, I mean, I know it's not early for you, uh, Cheryl, but it's neat. I mean, I kind of groan at first when the alarm goes off, and then I'm like, nope, nope, made a commitment, got to get up, got to get up. And, uh, you know, once I'm up, I'm excited about, my work for the day, but boy, if I don't have that impetus, <laughs> it's like I lay there every day. I'm like, no, I just want to stay in bed. Maybe I could sleep all day. I don't know why I do that, but anyway, sorry. Winter, huh? It's winter. It's time to hibernate. Our natural, yeah. our natural slowdown phase. I don't know about you, but my bed is cozy. It is one of my favorite places in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I said that to my my daughter and I were chuckling about that. That's what I said to her the other day. We were saying something about my bed, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's like one of my favorite places in the whole world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is so delicious to climb into bed at the end of the day and snuggle in under the covers. Oh, I love it. How are you, Amanda? I've been better. Yeah. 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 Care to to tell us what's going on? Um, It's hard to keep the faith right now. That's all. Oh, I'm sending you a big, huge hug, whether you want it or not. (laughs) Big love hug, girl. Thank you. Let the tears flow, Amanda. It doesn't have to be bottled up. This is an okay place to do that. What can we do? Anything? Do you need anything from us to support you and help you? No, I see that. But thank you. I appreciate that. 
Can I say a prayer? Sure. I don't usually do this, but I'm really moved to just say a prayer. You guys into little HP right now? Yeah, go for it. Always. Always into HP. Okay. I moved. I moved to do it. Okay, dear God, our higher power, the energy that flows through everything, the energy that flows through us and all the people we know, all the situations we're in, all the items that we touch, all the creatures. Please be with us today as we look forward into 2018. Lighten us up with the spark of your intention for our life moving forward. And help us to have the wisdom and the fortitude and the poise necessary to move forward to fulfill your wishes for us. Please work with us to manifest our dreams and know that we love you and we're here loving each other. And we'll be with you and know that you're with us throughout the entire year. Amen. Beautiful. Well, I think what I would like to do is, since we have been spent such a hectic holiday time, um, when I went back and looked at the chapters last week and this week's, it was the law of opulence and to transmute competition. Wait, I thought it was, I'm always on the wrong freaking chapter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever you say, I'm always on the wrong one. It's okay, though. I just went by the dates. I just went by the dates and that uh, that were in that calendar invite. That's, I just went by the dates. You what, mean you read we were... the instructions? <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, I did the instructions for myself for... You know, because I don't think I can remember things if I don't write it down. So. I did. I read the instructions too, and I came up with something different. Oh my gosh! Let me look. Hold on. Let me look. Let me look. So we're okay. Let's see. We skipped over December twenty-sixth, right? So we skipped that. We skipped that was last week. So we skipped over that. So that was the law of opulence. And then this week is to transmute competition. Oh, okay. For January 2, right? Is that, yeah. Well, but, okay, yeah. Okay, so, oh, my 
gosh. Yeah, I did, but I don't know. I guess I had it in my mind to go back a week. It, did you do the advancing? Did you do the advancing thought and the law of opulence? I yes, I did. Well, that's, that's fine. I mean, let's just do those. Let's just do those two, and then next week we'll do transmute competition and then man and money, because those two okay. kind of go hand in hand, anyways. So it'll yeah. work out perfectly. Let's just do the advancing thought like you did and the law of mm-hmm. opulence, and then we'll combine January second and January ninth for next week. How's that? I like it. Because, I because really January second, like- yeah, January second and nine, they go with each other. They they okay. talk to each other, so they they they're really a lead into each other. So it will work perfectly. So yeah, that is fine. And um, I just want to share something that was shared with me a long time ago. That's been really helpful to me. And Amanda, I'm thinking specifically for you, but it's good for me to be reminded of this. And, you know, if it, if it serves one, it serves all. Um, so I just really do want to, like, encourage you just to, whatever is whatever the emotions are, let it flow. Let the frustration, sadness, whatever it is, just let all of it flow. I mean, if you've got to put your phone on mute or leave it on and cry, do whatever you got to do. But I had this, because, and here's the reason why. I had this spiritual counselor that I worked with when I was living in Washington, and she is a businessman. I mean, she's really good. And um, and I used to do work with her, and I would just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And she told me when I'm done with the crying to backfill that spot, because nature abhors a vacuum, so refill it with something else positive. But here's the thing that I've also gotten to, so I've taken it to some other place just for myself personally, which is that all of that stuff is this alchemy that's happening. And all of those things are the things that need to get burned away in order for me to get to the essence of that the the metal that I'm supposed to become in that alchemy. And so I almost want to say just let the just let whatever those feelings are just let them go in the middle of this like let them happen during the call because we're going to be talking about other stuff that for some reason I just feel like what we're about to talk about is going to alchemize whatever it is that's going on with you. I don't know why I feel that way, but I feel it so strongly all the way down to my toes. Like makes my toes want to curl, my fingers want to curl. So just be here with us in whatever space you're in. And it doesn't have to be any kind of, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to show up in this certain way space. You show up in the space you're in. It's perfect. So, because we all have all had those days. So we love you. We're here. We're going to go through the chapters and you just be wherever you want to be. And if you want to talk, talk. If you don't, don't. And it's all perfect. So I'm going to back up, Ellen, to the advancing thought. And I, ha- I actually had quite a bit of stuff underlined in this, almost the whole chapter. I just underlined in this this one. I don't know about you guys, but. Um, yeah, I really, really, really liked it. Yes, you must keep in mind what you want to become and more than fill your present place each day. 
That does not mean that you are to try to do part of tomorrow's work today. You have nothing to do with tomorrow's work except to be ready for it when it comes. But you must do all that is necessary for today's business and something for increase. In every transaction, you must keep the advancing mind. You must put the expanding thought into everything you do and communicate it to every person with whom you have dealings. And then I, I, and then the next page I put, put in every sale the thought of advance for the customer as well as for yourself. Soon they will all feel that they are getting bargains in everything, and they will be right. What a great paradigm shift around the word bargain. When I read that, I was like, I totally love that idea of a bargain. Because I'm not big on bargains and discounts and stuff like that. I'm, I, it's, just, it's, a, it's a thing for me. It's a personal, I have a personal agenda around it. So put in every sale the thought of advance for the customer as well as for yourself. Soon they will all feel that they are getting bargains in everything and they will be right. If you thus put the advancing thought into every transaction, your customers will get it in regard to their own affairs and they will begin to be more successful and will mentally connect their success with you. This will strongly attract them to you. The best bargain you can give a man is to communicate to him the advancing thought in regard to his own affairs. No premium or rebate is equal to it. Whoa. Yeah, I highlighted that too. Unreal. Love that. Um, what does that mean to you uh, with um, premium or rebate? I, I um, kind of don't, don't have. Why did he throw that in there? I don't get it. Um, for me, I can tell you how I interpreted that is that so often um, people want to give a discount or give a rebate or do something like that to get business uh-huh. or charge a premium for something. Yeah. And so for me, how I interpreted that is if we communicate the advancing thought to our customer. And the advancing thought in his own affairs, we don't have to do those other things. We don't have to do all these premium things or rebates or discounts or whatever it is. Mm. We just do what we do and we do it with the additional thing of impressing the advancing thought on the customer. Mm. So we don't, have to, we don't have to take things away from ourselves. And we don't have to ask more of our customers than what needs to be asked. Mm-hmm. We just do our work and then add to it the impression of increase to, to our customer about them and their affairs. That, that's how I read it. And so I was like, oh, I totally, 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 totally love that.
And then it goes, if you communicate the advancing thought to your customers, they will begin to make successes because of it. And intuitively, connecting their successes with you will come to you for more power. You will build them up, and they, in turn, will build you up. And I used to have a a sponsor. She used to always talk about reciprocity. And that relationships of any kind, the best relationships are reciprocal. Mm -hmm. Where there's give and take on both sides. Um, And where there's support and encouragement on both sides. And she's really the one that taught me about that. She was the first, you know, she is the person that taught me that it doesn't always just have to be the sponsor you call on the sponsor. The sponsor can make the phone call too. The sponsor can just call and say, hey, how's it going? Thinking about you. And mm-hmm. she used to do that kind of stuff a lot. She used to do that stuff a lot. And what that what that did was it took away some of that hierarchical, somebody is higher than the other or whatever it is because we're just walking on the same path together. Mm-hmm. And so I liked it when it said, you will build them up and they in turn will build you up. And for me, that was, that was the concept of reciprocity is that we're doing it right things for right reasons in right ways. And then it's good for our fellow and it's good for ourselves. That's kind of how I interpreted this section. Because the reality is, is that we're trying to impress. For me, I'm, I'm trying to impress the idea of, a, of the abundance of God on somebody else. I'm offering them that concept, maybe just in a feeling. You know, maybe not by actually articulating the words, but by in a feeling. You know, I believe in them. They can have that thing. I mean, in consulting, that's the the surgeon I'm getting ready to go work with in Florida. That's 100% what I'm doing is I'm going into their practice to build them up and have them feel more empowered about how to do their work and how to get it done in a way that is supportive of the whole. And the doctor feels that every time I go there. And the staff ultimately felt that way when I was there last time. And the doctor wasn't yet ready to follow through on it. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the skills necessary at that time. He didn't have the capability and his personality structure at that time to follow through on it. And that's okay. He was, he's doing the best he can do and he's been really busy and he's been, he's been building some inner skills for himself. So now he's more ready. But I feel like I got asked to come back because of the concept of leaving behind the impression of increase and that they could do it, and that I believe that they could do it, and I believe they can have the practice they want to have, as they can. And he's a good guy, this doctor. He's a really good guy, and I really want it for him. I want it for his people. He's a single dad of four girls. His wife passed away, like, you know.
and in turn, mm-hmm. he's, he's involved in some conferences that he would like to submit me to to be a speaker. He texted me that, this big annual conference that they have for all of these vascular surgeons. And so he wanted to get myself and another gentleman to speak at the conference. Wow. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's how I interpret that. And whether that, you know, whatever happens with that, for me, knowing that he's thinking along those lines, makes me feel like, okay, I took a step in the right direction with this impression of increase. And, you know, so thank goodness we've been doing this book. (laughs) (laughs) And then I love this part here. The man who can give the advancing thought to all who deal with him cannot fail. He has exactly what they are seeking. Whoa. Sometimes struggle with uh, feeling like I'm being too preachy, you know, or Pollyanna. But I tend to be a really encouraging person. Um, but you know, and I guess I'm hearing myself say I shouldn't focus on the people who take it as preachy. You know, but. Just an interesting challenge. Yeah. For me, too. And I don't always know, like, what's, you know, how to communicate the advancing thought. Like, it, it's not always, it's it's not always real clear to me. hmm You know, it's not always intuitive like oh if I could do this with this person and I certainly don't do it all the time with every person everywhere I mean I would love to be at that spot but it just is not so Um, Mm -hmm. but if we weren't doing these books I wouldn't be thinking about it at all yeah that's a good point I love this part. It is not the quantity or quality of the goods that makes the bargain. It is the feeling of advancement or increase. It always goes back to um, people don't remember how much it cost or how fast it got done, they remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yep. I got to say, <laughs> I do a lot of copywriting, and uh, this, these ideas have uh, helped me in my copywriting. It's kind of fun to uh, put little bits and pieces of it in there, you know. 
<sighs> I chuckle to myself. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you send us some samples? Um, yeah. Well, I, as I, yeah, I, oh gosh. Yeah, can you I'll tell us on? Um, yeah, let me pull up my, I think the one, I, I was, I, I, it's hard for me to remember which ones. I have like 200 listings, so I'm like, hmm, which one did I do it? Let's see if I did any in this one. Um, yeah, and I don't want to put you on the spot. I just thought it would be fun. No, no. Um, wait, maybe. Maybe I didn't. Well, let's keep going. I, I, I'll click around a little bit and see if I could find. I know I did it to at least one. I, I kind of wove it in there. Um, um, I don't know. May, I'm reading this one. Maybe this may sound just like regular copywriting, but let's see. Okay, this is for my... My um, I have a seven chakra heart stone set that comes in a box with an uh, audio uh, with a, a chakra meditation CD. Nice. Um, my seven chakra natural stone heart set unites seven truly special healing gemstone heart crystals, one for each of the seven chakras. The stones are from all over the world. Clear quartz from the Himalayas, amethyst from Brazil, sodalite from Canada, green aventurine from Madagascar, mukite from Australia, carnelian from India, and red jasper from China. Each gem has a distinct color and vibration, radiating positive, balancing energy to attune your chakras, cleanse your aura, and set the space for your healing practice. I guess it's that last par- that last uh, sentence, which, I mean, it sounds pretty straightforward. It sounds like a description should sound. <laughs> but um, I used to be a little afraid of talking about the intangible um, benefits from my products. Mm-hmm. I would just list all of the uh, features of my products. You know that, but but that last sentence that each each gem has a distinct color and vibration, radiating positive, balancing energy to attune your chakras, cleanse your aura, and set the space for your healing practice. Um, so I guess what I what I've benefited from the book in in bringing the idea that I've brought into some of my listings is communicating the intangibles. Yeah. Um, so as, um, so like communicating the feeling of increase to people. Yeah. And to people once removed. What do you mean? I mean, you're, you're creating that context for the customer who buys it. But that customer is then setting the stage for whoever they're going to serve with that. You yeah. just said healing, healing practice, right. right? Right. So you're setting the stage for them to use it to heal themselves, and then by extension, who they interact with will also be benefited. 
Right. So the intention is for them to set that healing space and then take that healing space, you know, wherever they're going with them. Mm So it's like instead of once removed, maybe it's, you know, then expanded. So it's like you offering that impression of increase due to customer plus whoever the customer interacts with. So it's exponential. That's the word I'm looking for. That's a good point. Yeah, so it's an exponential thing. I love it. I guess it took me a long time to, because I, you know, I know that it sounds really airy fairy to a lot of people, and I'm kind of surprised that I, of all people, I'm very practical and rational. I'm surprised that I would be selling items like this um, that have such a strong intangible benefit. <laughs> I mean, I think I got into gemstones because they're so pretty, but I've always been fascinated by symbolism and the power of symbolism to inspire us. Mm-hmm. And so it was I, stepping out of my comfort zone to add the bit about, you know, I guess it, I call it like the imaginary part of things, the part where, you know, our imagination is sparked and we do step into this this other zone of creativity. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, I hear myself, the more I hear myself talking, it is actually very practical because everything begins in our imagination. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a really interesting journey, but I, you know, the interesting, also the interesting thing about writing these listings is the um, the writing it is easier. Writing all this copy is easier with these ideas in mind. Mm. So you know, about a year ago, I started studying search engine optimization, and that's very it's creative, but it's also very technical about what mm-hmm. phrases to use and how many and where they need to go. So I guess once I learned that and I understand the concepts of that, then to add this other more creative aspect to the writing, communicating the idea of increase. You know, what will this do for the person who buys it? Yeah. And certainly some of it is I do communicate. Some of the increase is just having a really beautiful, pretty item. You know, oh, it's so pretty, I just have to have it. (laughs) But then to dig a little deeper and, you know, energetically, symbolically, how could this affect a person's life? To write about that. I love it. That's been Good for you. Good for you. Uh, you know, um, writing these descriptions was daunting. <laughs> so. I can't even imagine. That's a that's a lot of because there's you know you have 
there's so many different gemstones and you have so many beautiful things on your site. So yeah, that's that commitment. Yeah, it's a lot. People in my group mm-hmm. talk about blogging. Do I need to blog? Do I need to blog? And I, 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 I had the realization that I am kind of blogging through my descriptions, mm-hmm. my product descriptions. So I, it was a nice realization to have, and I kind of let myself off the hook a little bit, that I am communicating, you know, like brand identity and what my company is about through my product description. Because I, I just mm-hmm. read you part of that description. There's, I mean, it's there's a lot more to it. But it helps in my writing to keep in my mind the idea of increase. It helped my copywriting a lot. What a great concept. That, that I never would have put those two things together in that way. So thank you for that. Because, yeah, I mean, why, 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 wouldn't, why wouldn't we use the, the concepts in that way? But wasn't on my, wasn't in my conscious awareness. So go you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Probably one day I did a meditation on you know, a quick meditation, like, okay, I've scheduled today to write all these listings, and this is always challenging. And, you know, I probably did a meditation about, you know, please help me to find a way to make this easier and more fun. And it Mm. is more fun. It is more fun. Because I allowed myself to get into the the intangible part of it, the mystical part of it. I I surrendered to it and I gave up my, you know, I don't want to look a certain way. I don't want to sound like an airy fairy. So I had to let that go. And, you know, it doesn't sound completely like I'm off my rocker. But I had to kind of, you know, get myself out of my comfort zone. And you can hear the way I'm describing it. I have these ideas about it in my mind, you know. You're going to be right like that. You're going to sound like you're off your rocker. (laughs) I totally understand those thoughts, though. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I understand. It's, you know, I mean, in my own, you know, little way, it's, it's why when people ask me about, you know, do I go to church or, you know, when people want to have a talk with me about religion, you know, and... And I have just found a way to kind of let me say what I want to say and then just move on um, and let people create whatever picture they want in their mind. I just tell them, look, I'm, you know, I don't go to church, but I have spiritual beliefs and I'm just kind of more of a hippy-dippy woo-woo gal. And then I just, you know, and then I just move on with the conversation because they're going to they're gonna tell, they're going to create whatever story in their head they're going to create around that. But it stops them from wanting to, like engage me with things that probably we won't agree on. Mm. And, you know, and so when I get into those kind of conversations with people, I just tell them, you know, like I respect everybody's walk and mine's just different. And, you know, and I just, and there, there's something about just being able, and part of it for me is I'm super at ease with saying that I've been, I've been saying that phrase for so long. I'm like really at ease when I say it. Mm-hmm. And so I think the energy of my ease around it 
puts other people at ease with, I have something, it's hippy-dippy, woo-woo, I probably won't even understand it anyways. And so it's almost like they just lose interest. After I tell them that, it's like, ah, forget it. You know, but I mean, lose interest in a good way. It's like, it's just like, uh, well, what? that's whatever that is, you know. And oh, for me. Really, this is really powerful, what you're saying. Yeah. So that's, it's just been a, it's been a, it's a technique, basically, that I've used, but it's become a part of how I move through it. And because I'm, I'm fine with my beliefs and I'm fine with their beliefs, too. Um, and I'm not trying to make them take on my stuff. And, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to get into an arm wrestle with anybody about it. And because I'm okay with my hippy dippy woo woo beliefs. So, and I just kind of, I've always just treated it on a, you know, need to know basis. But for me, it's all just been methods of communicating the same thing. Right. In business, I talk about, you know, you get that, you, you know, you can feel somebody's energy or, you, you know, you get that intuition or, you know, you get that gut instinct about something. Um, all that stuff. I'm just talking about God. And I mean, because that's all it is. I mean, my intuition is just is a nod from God. So all that stuff. I've just found ways to try and be pragmatic because I have the ability to be pragmatic about things. And so I can communicate something and I don't have to fight for it being a specific word delivered in a specific way. I can communicate the concept in a way that can serve somebody. And that's all I try to do. And if I'm, when I'm talking to a room full of salespeople, if I talk about, you know, you have a gut instinct about somebody or you just kind of know, or you know how you're, when you're, when somebody walks into the showroom and just energetically you can feel they don't want you to bother them. Because mm-hmm. they understand that language. I know mm-hmm. what I mean when I say it. And, but in the, it's, it's relatable to them. You know, it's relatable to them. And so that, you know, that even before we were studying these books, that's something that I did. And I, I didn't know that I was aligning myself with the principles in this book back then when I was doing that. Mm-hmm. I was just doing it because, you know, I was trying to communicate something in a way that it could be heard and understood. And it didn't mean the person had to agree with me. It's just I was trying to communicate it in a way that could be relatable to the person I was talking to. And I think that's an important skill um, that I have been able to develop over the years of, you know, being, of working. And, you know, I think a lot of people in the in the working world have figured out how to do those things and you know i just and part of it's just 12 step stuff right it's you know attraction not promotion and so when you I'm just say trying. a lot of when you say a lot of people in the working world have figured out how to do those things what what do you mean by those things um, communicate ideas in a way that people can receive them And it's, it has to do with our confidence in the message that we are communicating. Oftentimes, I think so. Oftentimes, and I then, think so. In, in sales, and then there's like also, it, to delve deeper into sales, it's um, like objection handling and that sort of thing, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
And the best, the best sales I've ever done is by the time I get to the point of objections, I have already tried to answer them. Right, right. And then you and, just keep answering them because <laughs> people don't hear you the first time sometimes. Yeah, but the reality is my view on sales is that I, uh, my, I, am a, I always use sales is to educate and inform. That is my job. My job is to help a person solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to educate and inform them. And then I want to allow them the opportunity to purchase from me if they want. Mm-hmm. So I don't so much want to sell them as I want to let them be able to buy. Because I hate it when somebody sells me. Mm-hmm. I can't stand having somebody sell me. Mm-hmm. But if somebody offers me information and lets me make a decision about making a purchase with them, I'm usually pretty happy. So it's just a twist on the English of, of it, right? It's just, a, it's just an energetic twist. Is giving people the opportunity to buy versus trying to sell them something. And, you know, like at the company, the automotive company that I was at, the sales guys um, used to tease me all the time because they said, you know what, you never sell anything. And I said, well, what do you mean I never sell anything? They said, you never sell anything. And I was like, yeah, I do. And they're like, no, we watch you. You never sell anything. I mean, people <laughs> buy, but you never sell anything. And I was like, oh, yeah. I Now I understand what you're saying. Because I actually knew everything we needed to accumulate, all the information we needed to have in order to offer the product that would be best fit for the customer. But I was very conversational in the way that I did it. It was just, it was a conversation. And during the conversation, I was getting all the information I needed. How are they going to use the vehicle? You know, what aesthetic were they going for? You know, what performance benefits were they looking for? But I could get all of those questions without asking it like that. You know, I could get the questions by saying, you know, by asking them, oh, tell me about your car. And if I'm in person, I said, I know you got pictures in that phone. Because, you know, that's how we are as car people. Some people have baby pictures. We have car pictures. Let me see it. (laughs) And then they'd start showing me all the pictures. And I would say, tell me the build story. How did this whole thing get started? What kind of mess did you not realize you got yourself into? Right? So I would just. I would just be playful with them about the whole thing. But at the end of it, I would know everything I needed to know. And so then I could, you know, I could, you know, and then if they'd asked me about the coding and I would just say, you know, yeah, we've got all different kinds of codings that can do different things if that's something you're interested in. And then I would just, you know, take them over to the displays and show them what they could use that would benefit them. And that was it. I mean, it was a very, it was very conversational and educational. And then, then it's just up to them if they want to buy or not, you know, because usually they're making the decision to buy on a different day than they actually place the order because of the way the car um, season works, you know, from spring until, you know, late fall, they're using their car. So they're making the decision about what they're going to do then but they're not going to do it till December when they tear the car apart. And so I knew that. 
And so I'm trying to have a relationship based on what do they want to achieve and then how could we help them have that. And, you know, so that, that, that was how we did it. So, yeah, so much of it for me has had to do with my comfort with what I was selling. And it's like when I first started doing consulting, uh, it was, I just was, I was horrified to have to tell them my daily rate. Like I was so uncomfortable. And over time, when I saw what I could offer to the customer and what I saw the benefit that their business could have, and when I saw that I could help them increase net sometimes by, you know, 300% more than what they were paying me, then I realized that I was actually finding the money to cover my cost. So by helping them improve their business, I was actually finding the money to help them mm-hmm. be able to pay me, you know. So, but that didn't, it didn't start out that way. In the beginning, I was just a nervous wreck. Just a nervous wreck. And I'm at ease with, I'm much more at ease with it now when I tell people what my daily rate is. Because I know I'm going to be able to go in there and if I'm in there for any length of time at all, I will find a way to pay for myself. So it actually won't, it won't come out of their pocket. It will come out of the money that I've helped them either raise or save. Mm. And so that's, you know, eye surgeon, perfect example. He hasn't, he hasn't had to pay to take his staff to a bunch of trainings all over the United States for the past almost two years. Because of the five days of training I did at his office, he stopped having to do all that. He stopped having to close down his practice, short, you know, short change himself with revenue to take people out of the office to go to all these trainings that still weren't producing the results he wanted. So that's how I found a way to pay myself. In my mind, that's, you know, all that money he hasn't had to spend and all the money he spent for all the years previous to that, he he doesn't now have to keep spending it because he spent a truckload of money taking his people to these trainings and doing all this stuff all the time to try and get the results that he still didn't get. So he spent the money that didn't get the thing. Hmm. So, so he spent a tenth of the money having me there for a week to get the thing he'd spent all that money for five years previous not getting. Hmm. So when it comes to the Deming stuff, I have certainty in the message because I know the power of it. And I don't take ownership of it. It was Dr. Deming that created it. The only thing I can bring to the party is I have more experience implementing it than a lot of people. That's what I bring to the party. It's just that I have more experience with the implementation. And there's value to that. My aim is always to work myself out of a job with somebody. I don't want to stay there forever. I'm trying to help them be able to do it themselves so they can get rid of me. 
seriously, that is always my aim. And for me, that definitely is a part of the advancing thought, right? Giving the impression of increase that they don't need to be paying me. They're totally capable of doing this once they get some practice at it. And so I'm actually transferring my belief in them to them. And then I'm equipping them to have the thing. And then I leave. And it's the same thing people have done with me. I've been on the receiving end of a lot of this kind of stuff. So many people have poured into me in this way that uh, could see in me what I couldn't see in myself, that could believe in me that things that I didn't believe in myself, mm-hmm. that could help me author in myself things that I hadn't yet authored. I mean, you know, in this group, both of you guys have done this for me. And, you know, other outside work that I've done with Amanda, you know, in her business, you know, like really, really changing, you know, like helping me really see different things about myself and get clearer on my story and all of those things. Like, you know, that was her transmitting the impression of increase to me. And her understanding the power of my story in a way that still at this point, I probably don't understand it as clearly as she does. And that's a gift. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I was thinking about that. I was thinking about all the people around me that have poured into me over the past year, you know, with the end of the year and the new year and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I was thinking about, because I took a, one of my friends did a free TELUS, uh, free, like, seminar training yesterday. It was six hours. It was really good. She was off the chain. It was so good. Um, and so, you know, I thought, oh, I'm, like, not in the place. And, uh, you know, I had all these little whiny, petty things going on. My wrist hurts, and I'm uncomfortable, and I won't be able to focus. And, you know, like, such a whiny baby. And I was, I, so I went to the noontime meeting and I came home because so it was from two to eight and I came home and had something to eat and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to turn it on. I'm going to lay in the bed and I'm just going to turn it on and listen, even if I don't do any of the exercises. And I did them all. I did all the exercises. It was terrific. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. And it wasn't one of the exercises that she gave us, but at the end of it, I did start thinking about all the people that have poured into me in my life in general, and then specifically in the past year, how much prosperity and abundance has happened for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been pretty epic. And it, as long as I stay out of having to make it only about dollars. And even that, like, you know, if I look at the dollar part of it, like the house, you know, I mean, I'm doing this lease to own thing, but at this point, it's essentially my house. And so, you know, so I wrote a number down on a piece of paper about what I wanted to earn in 2017. And if I do the, and if I add it up in terms of assets as opposed to, as, as opposed to specific, like income earned. So if I look at it and say, at the end of this year, I earned because I wanted to double my income. And so at the end of 2017, it is spooky if I take the actual price of purchase price of a house and then add the other earnings that I had this year, 
it's almost exactly the number. And I was like, okay, Ooh. I set the bar. Yeah, so you know what you know what thought I had? I set the bar too low. That's actually the thought I had. I set the bar too low. I didn't leave enough room. And I put a ceiling on myself. So I'm going to pick like a, you know, I'm going to pick a number that feels almost some, it feels almost like a sucker punch taking my breath away this year. I'm going to pick that for myself. And then I'm going to just see how it unfolds. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick a way bigger number this year. I like this. That's great. Which kind of goes into our, you know, law of opulence, right? (laughs) Staying out of the competitive and just being in, you know, basically the kingdom of God. In this chapter, the Law of Opulence chapter, are you making coffee? Sorry. No, it had just had a distinctly coffee sound. I was like, oh, she's making coffee. You don't no, have I'm to hit mute. <laughs> you don't have to hit mute. Um, no, I had this one part in here. Um, Oh, man, this chapter was like, whoa. I had a hard time underlining anything in this chapter because I kind of felt like you just have to read the whole thing because it's so conceptual. Yeah. Yeah. Both of these chapters. Yeah, as opposed to one specific thing, it was so conceptual. Mm -hmm. But this, this whole thing about many people have a partial grasp of the new thought still many people who have a partial grasp of the new thought still suppose that it is necessary that some should be poor in order oh, that yeah. others may have enough and believe yeah. that wealth wealth is possible only to those who have superior abilities or the power to attract to themselves a larger portion from the limited supply and then this next part was really these people try to apply new thought principles on the competitive plane and they do so with a fair degree of success. They try to develop a superior attracting power. They inject new motives and new energy into competitive business methods. They assert, I am success, all the while believing that they can succeed only because 95% of all others fail. The majority of these competitive new thought people do achieve a great measure of success. This was helpful for me to read. Because their faith gives them just the energy, push, and optimism which are necessary in competitive business. Mm -hmm. The confidence born of their belief makes the majority of their actions successful actions. Their partial application of new thought ideas makes them exceptionally able competitors. And they attribute their success to thought power and to affirmation when it is almost purely competitive. But this kind of so-called new thought is really only the highest and most fully perfected form of the old thought. (laughs) It only sees Caesar's kingdom, after all, 
It has no conception of the kingdom of God. And I have both been this person and watched other people be this person that I just read about. Mm -hmm. Totally have been in that spot. And have watched other people in that spot and have watched other people get like uber successful in that spot. And then resent them for getting there like that. (laughs) Truth be told. Like that's a special cocktail of craziness inside of my own head. Oy, oy, oy. So I read this and honestly, I just identified with my own self. Like, oh my gosh, this is you girl right here. This has been you. Not consciously, not on purpose. But it explained a lot. I was like, oh, I was still going at it with a competitive mindset. And not necessarily that I didn't want other people to have or that I was conscious of like the 95%, 5%, whatever that it was referring to. But just being in the competitive space of, you know, competing to be the best or whatever it is when none of that is necessary. Is not necessary to be in that competitive space. And I know that. I know that because one of the most important things in business that I think about on, a re- on the regular is expanding market share, not fighting over market share. Everybody loses when we fight over market share. Best thing we can do is expand market share. Because then there's more for all. And I know that. And then on an emotional level, sometimes I get into fighting over market share in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so when I read this, I was like, mm, all right, girl, just go ahead and hold up that mirror. The light's bright. <laughs> you know, one of so. the most uh, helpful images for me in this area um, has to do with the business that I'm in. Uh, when he was talking about, I believe it was in The Science of Getting Rich, he was talking about um, something about, uh, you know, thinking that there's limited supply and that the earth will create more, right? There, I think they were. he was talking about maybe soil depletion or that the earth will create more, or maybe that's how I heard it in my head. But because I'm a gemstone dealer, um, I, I, I instantly thought of gems being formed within the earth. Yeah. And it made so much sense to me that, you know, the earth isn't done. That's that's clear. I mean, look at the weather patterns and earthquakes and the shifting tectonic plates. I mean, obviously the earth is still very much alive. And so it certainly is creating more underneath the surface. That was a huge aha for me. I had um, in my mind before, before that realization, I, I had a different image of things, you know, everything is pretty much out there on the table. And that's not the case at all. And that, that's yeah. so helpful. Yes. Yeah, so that, that same part in the SOGR book got me too, Ellen. Like, wow, the earth will just create more. Like there was, like it was, you know, like something blew up in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Hey, I had a big aha um, thing this week. Um, that I'd like to share. Yeah, please. Were you done? I am. I didn't want to interrupt you. No, go. 
We're still so, thinking of you over there too, Amanda. Just so you know, we didn't forget you. Can you whimper so we know you're still there? <laughs> Say hello. Okay. I'm here. Oh, good. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, so I, I wanted to mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I I was driving in some traffic and I um sort of a long story, but I uh I'm gonna do a series of audio meditations based on the chakras to sell with my stones. And so I was stuck in traffic and I I have some meditations in my phone for just this reason I want to listen to how they're constructed and um, I was looking for a particular one and I I didn't click on the right one so I ended up hearing um, a meditation for manifesting by Wayne Dyer I thought well I'll just listen to how Wayne does it you know and um, so when I go to write my script I'll have some good ideas what works and you know what how I want mine to be So I listened to this meditation, and I'm thinking, well, I might as well do the meditation sort of while I'm driving uh, without closing my eyes. And I'm thinking, this meditation is so annoying. (laughs) And I love Wayne. He's one of my favorites. (laughs) But he's talking about the seed sound of God, which is ah. And so through this whole meditation, he's saying, God. Allah, Jehovah, <laughs> using this tone of voice that's just bugging the shit out of me. But I did it. I did the meditation while I was driving. I thought, well, I'm going to make, you know, make the most of it and um, actually try to utilize it for what I'd like to manifest in the new year, okay? And so I did it, and I giggled at myself but I could feel the car like filling up with this amazing energy as I was doing it and so I decided to set my uh, my conscious mind aside my snarky aside and anyway I did the meditation half-heartedly because I was driving but I you know I engaged my brain with the meditation and 10 30 that night I get this text <laughs> From a woman that I knew like three years ago at a meeting I used to go to, she's like, oh, I'm sorry to text so late, but I've been meaning to get in touch with you, and do you still do personal coaching? (laughs) And one of the things that's been on my list is how to incorporate some sort of coaching program into the work Uh that I already do. I remember this. And it, it's been kind of challenging because, like, I, you know, I struggle with, I don't want to be like the gemstone therapist or the gemstone coach. or I'm trying to put it all together in a way that is, like, grounded enough and not too far, like, not too far out there for my own comfort. Um, anyway, so it forced me to finish or actually revise uh, finish a revision of my old intake form. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I wrote her, I never had a series of um, emails, but I've always wanted to do a series of emails with new clients. And it's so interesting 
that this came up after doing this meditation. So, I mean, and it ended up requiring like six hours of my day that day to um, revise my paperwork in the way that I had been wanting to. But, you know, it's nothing like getting a new client, a new client request to force you to do that kind of thing. Love it. It was so interesting. She seems really excited to work with me. But it's sort of like, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> oh, I like it. That's exciting. Yeah. Completely out of the blue, somebody contacting me to do personal coaching with them. And we'll see what comes of it. She may be someone who is uh, more in need of a sponsor than a than a coach, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know too much about her, but, um, but, you know, we'll see. It's just an interesting exercise in manifesting. I like what you said about, um, um, actually, I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you set your intention and the dollar amount. You said you were going to, you know, you, you were saying your first thought was, I didn't ask for enough. Yeah. How, did you, how did you set that intention? Because here, here's my thing. is like I would like to, you know, increase my income. And I think I had some success, you know, manifesting a coaching client. But and that was kind of specifically what I what I had knocking around in my brain were coaching clients that I've worked with in the past and um and then boom another one shows up out of the blue. But I think I need to dial in my intention setting a little better. Do you have any tips or tricks? Um I'm not sure that I do because I'm still trying to figure mine out too, Ellen. And that that's the thing is that, you know, for me, the best thing that I can say is I just have to, and, and it's stuff you and I, you know, we've already learned, right? Is that we're, we're in charge of the footwork, but the outcomes are up to somebody else. Mm. And, and so what I, I had written was I was trying, and I thought I had done bit, you know, made it a bigger leap for myself. Because mm-hmm. what I did is I said in 2017, I wanted to double what I did in 2016. Mm-hmm. And so I thought doubling it, that's a pretty big ask. Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, cause 2016 was a decent year for me. And so I was like, okay, well, I'd like to double it. Yeah. But, but what, you know, and so I, so I wrote down what the number would be if it was doubled. Um. And so I, you know, and so I said, well, I'd like to double it and I'd like my income to be X. And so it didn't actually come all as income, right? And like I was, I was talking to my best friend about this, like it didn't actually all come as income. Like it came as partly income, partly, you know, the value of the house, because now this is an asset I'm going to get to be able to use. And it's the total Mm -hmm. value of the purchase price of the house, which, you know, if it was paid off tomorrow. And actually, the house is already worth more than what it was when I bought it. My The guy that's selling my dad's house is a friend of his, and we talked to him about this house. And he said, oh, yeah, I could sell that house for, you know, he gave us the number. And I was like, dang, that's like, you know, almost $50,000 of equity in the house and, you know, not very much time. But, we, you know, it was bought right. 
And so, but there's a few things I'd have to do to spend in order to get that equity. But so I had just, and see, I had thought that I had given a big enough jump because I was like double last year. That'd be great. Like that'd be a really nice thing. Mm. So there's two, so there's two things. One, which is for me to get really, 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 really specific about, and I've learned this lesson so many times. And every time I think I'm specific enough and then it turns out that I'm like, okay, well, it still kind of had a little different English on it. Like, like when I was getting a new car, I was like, okay, this was years ago. I wanted a Lexus. And oh, so, yeah, so I was looking at them and all that stuff, and then I ended up with a used Lexus, right? Instead of a new Lexus SUV, I ended up with a used Lexus sedan. Not that I'm diminishing the beauty of the gift of that sedan at all. Um, but it was just, I just kept saying Lexus. And so the universe was like, here's your Lexus. And... um so, so, you know, so there's a little bit of twist on it. So I'm still kind of trying to surf that wave myself. So I don't know that I have a lot to share with it other than just I know I'm going to go way big this year. Um, I'm just going to let it be really big. And I started a practice last year that I let myself get dragged off of when all this stuff came up for my dad, which this broken wrist is like the last thing in a series of things for me to see, I have got to stay inside my own hula hoop. And I really have to get much firmer about what I am and I'm not going to do regardless of who or what is happening. And, it, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disappointed that I helped my dad at all. And also, I have to have better boundaries about the way that I do it so that I am still taking care of me. Mm-hmm. in a way that that I feel more grounded because that is a lot to do with this broken wrist is me letting myself get ungrounded. Mm-hmm. And then I literally got ungrounded. Oh, God. So, oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? I was ungrounded and then I literally got ungrounded. Oh, shit. <laughs> so that is my lesson to myself. And that isn't anybody else. That's me. Um, and so, and I, you know, the, the point has been driven home and, you know, and somebody, a woman at the, after the meeting yesterday, she said, well, you know, I guess God was trying to slow you down. And I thought to myself, the God of my understanding would not break my wrist. Like, this ain't got nothing to do with God. This is cause and effect. You know, this is, this is cause and effect of life decisions and circumstances, you know. I feel like God was there catching me so I didn't break my neck. So, you know, but I just had this moment of like, why would God break my wrist? And I understand what she was implying, just that I, you know, that I was pushing too hard and I needed to slow down. But, you know, don't drag God into it, you know. But Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. That's why. You know what I'm saying? Like my God yeah. would not break my wrist. Like that is yeah. not, I don't, that's not even the equation there. But um, so I, I just, I know that, I'm gonna. I'm doing an. Ex, I'm gonna do an experiment this year. That's what I'm gonna say. Is I'm gonna do an experiment this year with myself about because um, I did it for part of the year this this last year in 2017, and then I kind of you know when I got when I started receiving some of the things that were on my list, and I got all ungrounded, and I my spiritual practice kind of got wonky, and 
I, lo- I lost some discipline. And so mm-hmm. in 20, 2018, my, I set my personal and professional intention for myself, which is more like a vision for mm-hmm. what I want it to be. And, and so personally, it's that I'm supported always in all ways. Mm. And that is a, from something that my friend said yesterday in her thing, and she got it mm-hmm. from a poem. So she didn't say what poem she got it from, but she got it from a poem. And I thought, well, that's really, I love that because that's a part of what um, is going on with me being ungrounded is doing all of these things to support other people, but not having the support circled around myself well enough for me to stay grounded. And in, and I need to be able to do that in business too. So, um, so it's really about me having support always in all ways. Um, and then professionally, it's about um, basically sharing myself and my work with the world and taking those steps to do that more and more this year. So I haven't written down much more eloquently, but I haven't really practiced saying it yet. And so there's some specific concrete things that I'm going to write down because for me, writing things and doing vision boards has been hugely, hugely beneficial. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm actually putting down like specifically like bit by bit every single thing that in my life that I would like to have, do, be, experience, offer, whatever. So I'm going to get it all all written down and then I'm just going to pick some handful of them that are like the most important ones. And this is from a book that I read years ago about the passion test or something like that. And then just pick the like five or so that I'm the most passionate about and focus on those. Because I did that a few years ago and every one of the five came in that year. So I'm going to, I'm going to, get back to that practice, getting it all written down and and then reading that to myself every day mm-hmm. and staying in the space of it every day. And I am going to do a, a new vision board. I had one in Canada when all that stuff went sideways. That didn't make it home to me somehow. I don't know where it went, but it didn't come here. So, but my house was on that one. My house with all the windows was on that one. And I'm in a house with all the windows. <laughs> so That's awesome. So the vision board thing is a super important thing for me. And then big, I'm, I'm doing a really, really big, I'm do, I'm, I am putting, I'm giving, I'm doing a million. Good. I'm, going for seven, I'm going for seven figures. Because I want space. Because I don't want to stealing myself. Because even if I don't hit a million, I don't want to put a ceiling on myself. And this year when I did the math, I was like, oh, you put a ceiling on yourself, girl. So, yeah. So it's just, it's going to be a year of practice for me. Selfishly, self-care practice. Like, radical 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 self-care this year this broken wrist just i'm telling you i cannot even tell you how profoundly it has affected me so i'm sure i'm sure 
I'm sure. But I think um, I think good will come out of it as well. You know, hundred percent. So I I mean, the way I think of things like that, if I may. Yes, is please. That. It's almost like it will <clears throat> preclude me from doing things. It, it's like corralling me in a certain direction. Like instead of spending my time using that wrist, it'll force me in this other direction where I'll be doing the work that I need to do that I might not have done if I had more mobility. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, it totally does. <clears throat> right? I can't, you know, utilize my wrist, so it's going to force me to be busy in a different way, which I might not have done, but that's where the work needs to be done to achieve these new big goals. Yes. Correct. On the nose. Yep. And so it's good practice for me. So I'm kind of glad we're talking about this. It's a little scary to say that seven-digit thing out loud, but, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I'm just saying it. And then whatever will be, will be. But I'm going to, I said it, I'm writing it down, and then I'm just going to be in specific daily action. And one of the things that, I cannot tell you how profound it was doing the meditation when I was in the pain at the hospital. I, I mean, I, I am so, so grateful for my meditation practice. Mm. I'm so grateful that I had it. So that's going to be a big, because in this, in this chapter, the law of opulence, the very, on mine, the very last page where it talks about how modern machinery has created all these things and there's carpets and books and how, you know, there's enough cotton you know, to for clothes and, you know, the state of Texas could provide enough money for the whole world. Like all the things that they're talking about of all the abundance and it's basically just untapped, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's more than abundance. It's opulent. Like it's it's just it's there's so much. Truly there is no scarcity of things, nor is there any lack of work that ought to be done. There is no necessity in nature for competition either for things or for jobs, there is enough useful and beautiful work waiting to be done to keep us all busy all our lives. (laughs) And it may be well to point out here that there is no lack in the supply of finished products because labor is not productive enough to keep pace with the demand. Modern machinery has solved the problem of production. The producing power of labor has been multiplied by 600 in a little more than a generation. That's huge. And then I'm going to skip over to this last, the last page on the chapter, at least in the book I'm reading from. There is nothing in which further improvement is not possible. Six hours work a day by all of us would produce all that we could use, including every known luxury. Mm-hmm. With, such, with such abundance in the whole, we do not need to compete for a part. We do not need to take thought for tomorrow 
we do not need to experience panics or reverses. We need only to seek for the kingdom of God and his righteous relations toward each other, and all these things shall be added unto us. And then it says, and what is the kingdom of God, which is next week. Which goes into what Kyle Feast talks about all the time. Just All you've got to do is sit in meditation in your living room for a couple of hours a day. <laughs> I think the part that he forgets is that he sits in meditation and he gets clarity, but then he's also busy, like, doing things, too. He takes a lot of action. Mm-hmm. But he's taking the action from an inspired place inside of him after he did the meditation. And after this whole little debacle I just went through, uh, more than ever, I I now understand why he bangs the meditation drum so hard. And because it's the way that it changes the brain chemistry. And I cannot even believe how much I experienced that when I was at the hospital, just the the whole idea of that change in brain chemistry and that we have the power to do it ourselves. It doesn't take anything. It doesn't take anybody outside of ourselves. It doesn't take any special circumstance. I mean, I was in the ER, you know, people were there with alcohol poisoning and, you know, and whatever, whatever other kind of pain was going on in there, TVs blaring and people throwing up and having other issues in the bathroom of which I was right outside and the, the, the lab machine, you know how you go to the bank, the drive up teller bank thing and you put your check or whatever into the canister and then the air suctions it and shoots it into the bank. Mm-hmm. Well, they have something, they have something like that at this ER here where they can send out, they can put things in these canisters and send it out for the lab results so that it just gets shot through this, canister thing straight down to the lab without anybody having to walk. Uh-huh. But the place where it goes and comes back was right outside where I was. And so it was just crashing and banging the whole time oh. I was in there. All that stuff was going on and I could still slip in. I could still just kind of close my eyes and excuse me, get into that meditative space and that was pretty profound for me of like okay you know what I don't have to have any special circumstances in order to meditate I could be sitting in a crowded noisy room and do it mm-hmm. so and it changes our brain so much so okay. I'm really going to experience experiment with my meditation practices this year so which is basically this chapter we need only to seek for the kingdom of God Basically, you know, seeking for God and being in right relation with each other. So, I feel like I blabbed my head off today. What? What? Your head off? I feel like I blabbed my head off today. Oh, well, you did talk a lot, but it was really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I think you're um, you're really charged today with some really positive stuff. So I got a lot of benefit out of listening. Thank you. I guess I needed to say it all. 
Wow. <laughs> I needed to hear it all. I wrote a bunch of things down. and Oh, one thing um, I wanted to throw out there. Here's a phrase. What's the best that could happen? Oh, thank you for that. Yes. The best that could happen is I could get it. Or more. <laughs> That's the best that could happen. I like that. I mean, I like the idea of like, hey, what's the worst that could happen? But, yeah, what's the best that could happen? Love that idea. I'm writing it down right now. A couple things he said today really were, I mean, like I'm already turning them into quotes with a pretty picture in the background. (laughs) I'm (laughs) And I like What's it. the best that can happen? Um, and I am, I am supported always in all ways. Isn't that good? Awesome. Yeah. Can you yeah. permission to uh, steal that? Absolutely. I asked, I, I asked my friend. I raised <laughs> my hand. I raised my hand in her thing and said, "Look, I'm just want to know if I can steal these things." Because you got this and you got that, and I really like them. So I'll give you credit for for the fact that I didn't create them. This is my friend. She's like, I didn't create them either, so steal away. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. So right. that was well, really that's good. That's a really good one. That I am supported in all ways. I am supported always in all ways. And it reminds me of um, one of my quotes from 2017 was, life happens for me. Not to me. Oh, yeah. You know, what direction? And this is from, uh, and then it always takes me back to the artist's way. You know, when things happen, seemingly, quote, unquote, seemingly bad things, what direction does this point my work? What is the universe, what direction is the universe nudging me in? Yeah. That is a great question. Great question. Well, Amanda, did you have anything you wanted to chime in on? Um, not specifically, no. Well, you let us know what we can do to support you. Thank you. Alan, anything else for you? No. Well, the only other thing I'll say is um, <clears throat> this conversation today reminded me of a book I haven't read in 20 years called Building Your Field of Dreams by Mary Manon Morrissey. Ah, I know Mary Morrissey. One of my friends works. Yeah, one of my friends works at her company. Really? Mm-hmm. Girl, yeah, good good buddy of mine. Been working there for the past few years. She loves it. She loves Mary. 
What is the name of the book again? <clears throat> Building Your Field of Dreams. Was there something specifically about that <clears throat> about that book that popped in your mind? Um, it's just um, it's it's an older book. One of the first teachers of these concepts that I was exposed to. Mhm. Um, here's a quote: Unpleasant experiences offer opportunities for growth but we're blind to the good unless we recognize our own participation in those bad experiences. Mm. How much mm-hmm. simpler to isolate the moment and feel victimized. The victim who clings to the victim role expects lifelong mistreatment. Creators free themselves for a life of abundance confident they will receive what they deserve, which is God's greatest good. Mm. One of the biggest concepts in this book is the idea of co-creating, that we co-create with God. Yeah. And see, you, you already possess that trait of uh, you looked at um you know you're not acting the victim you you recognize you said it yourself um like you took your inventory on it what yeah. your part was mhm yeah so i'll be take convenient. that away today that that's yeah. a good example for me because i have some results that i'm not thrilled with and i think that would be good for me to do an inventory about what is my part this. And the thing I love about taking an inventory, it at first sounds so like I'm going to beat up on myself and, uh, you know, criticize myself when I, you know, I'm already feeling bad. But every time I take an inventory, it's so liberating. It's actually a very empowering thing to do. Agreed. A lot of freedom comes from it. That sounds like a pretty powerful book, the um, Mary Morrissey thing there that you just read. Wow. She she's a little um <clears throat> a little Bible y as I as I recall. <laughs> but um maybe wrong. But yeah, it's very it's a good book. I really enjoy it. Thank you for sharing that. That was pretty powerful. Oh, you're welcome. You want to hear one more um, one more quote before we go? Yes. Let's close it out with a good quote. Go ahead. When you live in the genius mind, you reach beyond your comfort zone and dare to declare that a great dream is being dreamed through you. 
pause for a moment and feel that dream, a dream that's bigger than you, a dream that will give you life, a dream that will enhance the lives of others. Enhance mm. the lives of others. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, thanks, ladies. I'm all fired yeah. up. I'm going to do some work. <laughs> Have a great week. Amanda, I'll be thinking Thank of you. you. Send in love your way. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, sure. I will too, Amanda. Okay, ladies, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.